Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. As you get ready to expand your knowledge this offseason, make sure to save the date for USA Football's 2020 National Conference taking place February 21st through the 23rd in Louisville, Kentucky. This is more than just a clinic. It's your chance to hone your ability to teach proven and effective techniques while connecting with coaches across the country. Most coaches are satisfied if their regional clinic delivers just one or two nuggets of information. National Conference delivers a -a one-of-a-kind, high-school-focused, live-field experience that will give you an abundance of drills and techniques to improve your team's performance. Coaches can deep dive into both X's and O's and technique at classroom and chalk talk sessions. Finally, USA Football delivers top keynote speakers year after year. Here's a few of the keynotes from previous years. Mike Tomlin, John Gruden, PJ Fleck, and Jeremy Pruitt. As an added bonus this year, paying attendees can get access to the advanced tackling system and contact system for blocking and defeating blocks following the event and have a chance to earn the new advanced contact certification. If you're ready to get to work on next season, Don't miss out on USA Football's National Conference. Learn more at nationalconference.usafootball.com slash podcast. Enter the code PODCAST179 to save at registration. We are always excited when our guests get a promotion or take on a new opportunity. And in this case, our guest took on a new opportunity before we had the chance to air this episode. So I was able to sit down with Kurt. Fitzpatrick, who at the time was a head coach at SUNY Mooresville, and now has taken on the head coaching job at SUNY Cortland. So here we go, our episode with Coach Kurt Fitzpatrick, new head coach at SUNY Cortland. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. We are recording this live at the New York State High School Coaches Association Clinic, and joining me on the podcast is the head football coach at SUNY Mooresville, Kurt Fitzpatrick. Kurt, it's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Keith. I appreciate it. Absolutely. This is it's always neat for me to be able to do some things like this because I usually have to sit on the other end of the phone. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good to sit down and talk face-to-face with face-to-face, somebody. Yeah. Thanks but, for coming out to New York. Absolutely. It. No, it's, it's been great. I was telling uh, Andy Kotelnicki that, uh, you know, you come out to this and you just see guys out here to learn and, and uh, t- to work to get better. And, you really don't know if you're in Ohio or New York or Florida. I mean, it, those things all look the same. And so a lot of guys out here trying to get better this weekend. Sure. Yeah, it's a great, great clinic. 
Well, Coach, you have an interesting coaching journey here. Uh, you were a guy who was able to get a head coaching job at 31 years old. You're 38 years old now, still a pup in my eyes. But uh, talk to us first about just making that progression, you know, your coaching journey from that player to, to uh, getting into coaching and, and then becoming a head coach. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been been interesting, but it seems like it happened happened fast. You know, I uh, when I graduated college, I ironically, I, I my priorities were a little bit a little bit out of whack, and thought I wanted to work on Wall Street and do all that stuff. I was a, a business major, and I did that for a year, and, and just hated hated it, hated everything about it. I was always a football junkie in a good way. Yeah, you know, uh, the kid with notebooks and drawing up plays and all that stuff. And uh, after a year decided I didn't want to wear a shirt and tie every every day uh, every day to work so I d- ditched the shirt and tie and was able to go back to my, my alma mater at, at, at St. John Fisher out in Rochester New York and 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 was the quarterback coach at my alma mater for two years and worked you know worked had, had a great quarterback to coach who's now the offensive coordinator there at Fisher and, and then got an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator after two years at Utica College with, with coach Fagiano and uh, and then five years as an OC the head job opened up opened up at SUNY Morrisville and I wasn't sure if I was ready to be to be a head coach but I, I'm not one to shy away from a challenge usually and we went through the process and and, and I was fortunate to, to get hired and I can't say that I was ready to be to be a head coach <laughs> but you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and here we are seven seven years later so yeah it's I became a head coach of the high school level at 32 and I love using the analogy drinking out of a fire hose no doubt um, because you know to that point and you might have thought about being a head coach and what would you do in your program and how you would run a program and you know you take notes and learn from everybody and then you got to go out and do it and then something happens that you didn't think about I mean there's all kinds as of an problems assistant, we, we always have opinions yeah. as an assistant of I would do it this way I would do it that way and then when the spotlight's on you and, and it really matters what you think it's it's a little bit different being on that side of yeah, it. it's, it's been great though different sitting in that seat well and, and it is about learning this game I mean whether you become a head coach at 31 or or 50 you know you need to keep learning right you need to keep preparing so you get the opportunity at 31 it's uh, seven years later now talk to us about the learning that's occurred and, and some of that really is on the job training yeah it, it really is. I think some of the some of the biggest things that, that, that I've learned is uh, being a head coach, and I'm also the offensive coordinator. And I still coach the quarterback. So there's the X and O side that I get to. I don't. I haven't gotten totally away from that, which is which is great. But as a head coach, the, the, when I wear my head coach hat, the biggest thing I think I've learned is that you can run. You can have the best play call in the world. You can have the you know the, the be on the cutting edge schematically, but it's about the players and how well you've developed them through your program, how connected they are to one another and to your coaches and to your to your school or university and how bought in they are. And I tell our guys a lot, I, I, especially to our offensive guys in a meeting, it, it's not the play that we call, it's how you play that, that makes the difference. And so as I've you know learned, learned on the job, I've, I've learned to spend more time focusing on developing the players and the X's and O's obviously that, that that's a fun that's the fun that's the yeah, fun part right. and all that stuff and, and the kids the players love that too but getting them to getting them to to buy into one another and, and and play play the right way and make it about people and relationships and the X's and O's kind of kind of just 
fall into place from yeah, there. Yeah, when you, you look at yourself now, again, you know, se- seven years now as, as the head coach, and um, think back to your early days, and, you know, culture is the, the buzzword today, and you yeah. call it what you want, team building, you know, uh, leadership, all those things. Um, I guess how have you evolved in, in those terms? What's your culture like now? And I guess maybe some things that, that were different when you first installed it. Yeah, I think a lot of it is um, more going to more of a empowering the players more so than me giving a. I used to have you know a leadership council meeting and I would have a group of guys that were voted on and I would you know have my PowerPoint of all the leadership stuff that everyone has and and all that stuff and and all that stuff is great and and I used to you know tell them how I wanted them to lead and now I think what I've kind of morphed into is is more empowering the players to take ownership over over the program and that it's not it's not my program it's your program and uh and empowering them and as they grow through the program you know influencing those that are, that are younger than them really involve our players in the recruiting process we you know when we have recruiting visits a couple of days from now you know we're not a signing day doesn't mean anything for, right. for for a division for a division three school as you know as much so you know we've got a bunch of recruits visiting on saturday and and really the biggest thing about that visit is it's about our players our players are the centerpiece of our visit you know i don't want them i don't want our recruits just to take my word for it you know i want them to hear it from our players and be around our players and see the relationships that our players have with one another and if our and in doing that our our current players are building leadership because you know they're recru- they're recruiting these these new young men, their their future teammates, into our program, and so that when those kids get in our program, now their big brothers, so to speak, have a have a real stake in the game. So it's it's a real you know it's it's a it's a people process. Yeah, sure. definitely. I mean, you want your kids really whatever level you're at, you want them to be your best recruiters, and you know when, when we would on our visits at BW it was the same way like we a lot of that you know you have kids in class during the day and whatnot but you know weekday visits we do some weekends but you know what we made sure of is at lunch every day that a bunch of our players came over no doubt and that as coaches we didn't sit at those tables anymore and we told them like you fire away at these guys you ask them what this program's like you know whatever whatever you want to know they'll tell you and we're comfortable with you you guys asking them those questions and and they were. They were our biggest recruiters. They were, you know, empowered in a lot of ways because, you know, we trusted them with the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, recruiting even at the D3 level, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. No you know, doubt. a lot of schools count on you to help with, you know, making a class. And it, and so you have to have some trust there. But you, you build that with your players over time. It's not just here's the keys to the car. Sure. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, it's uh, – <laughs> I don't think I could have done that when I first – when I first became became the head coach at, at Morrisville, you know, I didn't – whenever you go to a new school, you don't really know the place either. So I, I think it, 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 has been a, it has been a growth. And I think as I got more comfortable as a head coach and, you know, realized that, you know, as the head coach, it's not about me. It's about them. And just set expectations. These guys trust you as, a, as their coach and just kind of let it, let it play out. And then eventually you'll start to hear them – you, when you start to hear your players say some of the, some of the, you know, every coach has their taglines or their, you know, right, right. some things that I that I say that you say a lot that you don't even realize. And when you start to hear your players say it to to a recruit or to a younger, uh, you know, a, a younger player on our team who maybe made a wrong decision, or and, and you hear them start to 
start to push the messaging that you know some of the things that that we believe in that's uh that's i think when when you know you've got a you know you, you you've got a, a culture that's 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 either built or being built it's kind of always under construction but well you know a, a couple things that come to mind i always like to on on long drives listen to podcasts and and learn on the way so i was going back through one i listened to before with urban meyer and tim kite and you know urban was talking about sound bites right and that uh you know I'm sure you've done it before. I know I have. You know, you go out and you write your mission statement. What is yeah. our program's going to be about? And no one can recite it for you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even you sometimes. No doubt. And he talks about exactly what you said, those, those sound bites, those buzzwords that those guys hear over and over again and just become part of their thought process of this is how we do it. So for you, what, what are some of those, those sound bites that they're going to hear at Morrisville? That's a that, that's a good a good question. You're right about the about the mission statement. We have one, <laughs> and we have a vision statement, and we have we have all that. I think that what we try to do, and what I try to how I decide different activities with our team, or what I want to push. You know, we we have four core values that that we feel like are the foundation of our program, and you could pick. Every program might have four different ones. I, right. you know, you could pick a hundred, but the well, it's what makes it's, you yeah. uniquely you, you as a coach. Yeah, so I picked I picked trust, uh, faith, accountability, and selflessness. Um, and and with with trust, we talk about never a doubt is the tagline that, that we use with that. And and what that means is that as as a as a player, it, it's a waste of time if. If you have to wonder whether a teammate or a coach is is fully bought in, or whether whether or not you can you can trust that guy, you know, football is a hard game. It's a, it's competitive, and if you're going to maximize your potential as a team, then you can't have players on. A player can't can't wonder if his teammates is bought in as he is, right? So to speak. So so trust is is, is number one number one for a reason, and, and guys, you know, ha- have no doubts and just go out there and and and, and do your thing. When we talk about about faith. It's about being being having faith in our process. It's about in football. You know, you can't you can't win the championship, and then once you win it, turn around and say, okay, now now that we, now that I see now that we've been to the promised land and and, and we've seen I've seen how great this is. Now I'm going to buy in to what coach is saying right. or to what our culture is. Uh, you, you don't get it like that in football. You you have to buy in before, and then you know if you do everything right, maybe. Then, 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 then you'll, then you'll win. But you, you got to buy in uh, on the front end, um, and then accountability. You know that everyone, I think, wants their players to be accountable. But how we describe it is um, that I want our guys to to understand and see how their actions affect their teammates. Yeah. This day and age, a lot of guys are they're very focused on on themselves and on the man in the mirror, and and, and they are accountable to, to themselves, but everything that that you do affects a teammate if you miss if you miss a lift if you or do something very positive how it affects your teammates your program your family back at home uh you, you know be, being being accountable to those around you and that ties into to selflessness um trying to get our players to understand that it's not about you that you are trying to make it about everybody else but understand that everyone else you're one of those guys that your teammates making it about you as well and that's where that that connectivity comes in comes into play so yeah I love talking to coaches about those things and and how those then translate to 
uh, being on the field because there's a lot of people who talk about culture mm-hmm. well and we're going to be about this and we're going to do these things and then you go out to the field and it's a completely different experience your behavior is your culture right yeah, so if sure. it's those things you should see them i mean the to me i always love going out to spring ball at Ohio State and watching them practice because you know you you hear and Ryan Day is carrying over what Urban Meyer did as far as you know the culture but you hear those things and then you go out to practice and you see every single one of those things in yeah. play and what was really neat is I had uh, Anthony Schlegel on the other day who um, he played at Ohio State but then he was on Urban's staff and I mean, he's talking about the exact things things that you hear Urban talk about on yeah. the, on the podcast like he he's living what he learned there. That's what's really neat when you see that translate to, you know, the, the player's life as well. So, you know, those four things being it, how do we start to see those or what are some examples you might see out on the field if I was, I was to come out to a, a Morrisville practice? Yeah, I think one, one, just how our coaches interact with our players, a lot of, a lot of positivity, you know, the, the language that's used, player to player, encouragement, mm-hmm. all that, all, all that stuff. You know, I think when, when you do – when there's when there's a positive vibe at practice and it it, it snowballs into something that's great and mm-hmm. uh, it makes it it makes it an environment that that guys want to come to practice. We try to try not the practice is not hard. It's very hard. It has to be hard, ideally harder than the game, right? But but you, you, there's a way to do that. I think where practice. I want practice to be the best part of our players' day. Yeah. Um, and uh, we it helps to recruit guys that absolutely love football and the grind of the grind of being a college football player and all that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's one thing to talk about it, and then we practice it. You know, I think outside of the practice field, too, all those core values, different different activities that, that you can do do with your team to just to just build those, those relationships, community service events, you know, all the things that they might not realize they're working on football, but they are. Right. Because, the, you know, the, the connectivity – for an offensive lineman, for an offensive line unit, um, isn't just built on the practice field. It's built throughout the year as they as they grow together in your program. Coach, taking things out onto the field then, and you are the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, so let's give our listeners just, a, I guess, an overview of what your offense is like. Sure, yeah. We're a multiple offense, multiple personnel offense. Try, try to stay try to stay balanced as, as much as as much as we we can uh, over the course of a season. Every game might be a little bit, you know, you might need to run more one game or, or throw it more more another. But you know, we, we try to be multiple and, and have the ability to win playing playing a few different ways if if we need to. So I, I don't like when you know people. I think early in my career, I, I wanted to be a spread coach. Yeah. I wanted to be known as a spread as a spread offensive coach and the more experience I got I realized that I, I don't want to be just any one thing I want to be yeah. I want to be a fundamentally sound offense that blocks well and attacks a defense in in, in, in multiple ways and, and I, I like looking at it that way because you can pigeonhole yourself yes. in identifying a certain way and I mean sometimes cause yourself to make decisions that you know, maybe aren't best for the team. Fitting the the, the round peg into the square hole, yeah, those kinds no of things. Doubt. So, you know, looking at that structure is important to be able to to, you know, Andy Kotelnicki and I were were talking earlier today, OC at, at Buffalo about you know an offense being like having a bunch of Lego blocks and being able to put it together in different ways. But the fundamentals remain the same. Mm-hmm. So, so for you, what's the the way you create that structure? 
I think it's based on, first of all, based on your players. I mean, each year, you know, we're going to have different strengths and weaknesses each year. If you've got multiple tight ends, if we've got multiple tight ends that are that are some of our best players, then then we're going to use them. Or if, if we've got multiple receivers, um, you know, three, four, four receivers, then, then maybe, maybe we'll be more more ten personnel. If your quarterback can run, you can you can do some more things and format your offense a little bit differently. But it's always going to start with what with who our best players are. We're going to try to feature feature those guys. I don't think that's you know any earth-shattering philosophy. Right. I think any coach is going to want to you know focus on on getting his best players involved. Um, but whatever we do, we want to keep it simple for the offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, that's those those five guys. You know, they don't care what formation we're in. <laughs> they don't even know. And they get a sense for because they, they see their buddies subbing in and out, and, 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 they, and they know whether we're in a bigger personnel grouping or a smaller one, but they don't really care. I think, you know, to them, they get the, they get the scheme and, 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 away, and away they go. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the key, I think, is offensively, all the moving parts on the perimeter – there's a ton of different answers, but if you don't have cohesiveness, you know the O line's the heartbeat of your team. Right. Um, and and the more the more the more consistent they can be, um, the the better they are. Then um, then you can do a lot of things as a play caller when when you've got consistency up front. Absolutely. You know those guys. I'd always say like they really don't care who has the ball or what they're doing mm -hmm. in the backfield behind them, and that's where you can get creative with just different backfield sets, actions, et cetera. But having that consistency for them, you know, in we're going to block these schemes over yep. and over and over again mm -hmm. is really what gives them the confidence. And um, you, know, you used the word trust before, right? Just the, the trust yes. in what they're doing, the trust in each other. Because you are repping it again and again, it becomes part of what they do. Yeah, I, and, and the trust. And if you keep it simple for them, over the course of a season, you see so many different looks up front, but for them, they can get so many, so many more reps at it. Whether it's inside zone or it's power or it's a pass protection, you know, base pass protection. We try to have very few of those too, just because we know they're going to get a lot thrown at them throughout the course. Blitz looks, base different fronts, odd front, bare front. I mean, you name it. Um, so, so keeping it simple for the guys up front is uh, is, is is the key for us. And we talked a little bit about quarterback play, and that's that's been you know what you've been coaching. That's been your thing, still is as the head coach coaching quarterbacks. The word "simple" though is something you brought up in you know our conversation before we got started. That mm -hmm. uh, you know, for lack of better words, you know, having an operating system that's consistent for them and is simple enough that you know whatever concept you might be running, you know, routes you might be running yeah. in the passing game, that for them. There's also some simplicity to yeah, it. Yeah, I think you got to have carryover. Uh, my philosophy with our quarterbacks is that you got to have carryover with how you structure your passing game. The routes can change. I mean, there, we have ton, tons of route combos in, in our playbook. Some we use more than others and all that. But the thought process with how you move a quarterback through a progression can be the same. You know, he needs to know where to start, right. where, what's priority number one. And then, and then where, where to work from there? You know, whether priority number one is, you know, a single receiver on the backside of three by one, and if they're going to give us one on one, a gift route or whatever, a, a post route, a glance, whatever it is, if that single receiver is has the look that you want, 
then then that's where we're going to go with the ball and forget about everything else. And if not, if that's a bad look, you know, quarterbacks know what's a good look and what's a bad look. If it's a bad look, then you're then you're going to work the three man concept, three man concept side. And then as the routes change, that that thought process doesn't change though. And so if you, I believe if you if you keep the overall general order of operation thought however whatever you want to say if you can keep that consistent then you can plug and play you know you can run this three-man concept and, and tweak the route on the back side but no matter what route you run that the quarterback is not gonna is gonna remain smooth and calm because he's just gonna work his way through it the same way every time right could, could you as just an example an illustration for our listeners I guess talk us through exactly how that works for you maybe give us an example of that Sure, sure. So let's say you have a three by one and, and, and you're going to run a, a like a, a base concept for us would be any three by one. Our, our single receiver, if he's detached and, and we call him the X, I think well, right. that's pretty, pretty standard. He's going to run a hitch route and that converts versus press versus a tight, tight corner press or cloud. He's going to convert uh, to the three man side. Uh, three-man concept, a curl concept we run. The outside receiver will run a 12-yard curl, seek, seeking the window inside. The number two receiver will run what we call a middle a middle route, meaning he's going to attack the middle of the field. If the middle of the field's open, then he can run up the middle. If the middle of the field's closed, then he's going to run across the middle. And then number three, to the flat. And so our quarterbacks will prioritize. We're going to put a premium on the single receiver. And we can tag that that hitch that I talked about. Right. We can tag it into a, into a rollover, into a a post, a post corner, whatever whatever route we think we need that can attack the best or fits the down and distance the best or the situation. But the quarterback is going to he's going to prioritize and put a premium on that single receiver side. Mm-hmm. And if he likes to look, then he's going to commit to it and throw it. And I. I you know, we, he's got to be able to ask himself simple questions. Do I like the X, yes or no? If the answer is yes, then fully commit to it and, and rip it. We want them to be confident when they, when they make a throw. You know, we don't want their eyes yo-yoing all over the field and you know, trying, to, trying to look for a receiver. They need to know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're uncomfortable with that, if it's gray at all, then work, work backside or work, work your eyes across the field um it's it's not like they're staring at that receiver for for long like they know what a good look and a bad look is and they're going to move their eyes quick Mm -hmm. but having consistency in the thought process so that they can be insistent and they know we're going to either live in this single receiver world or if i don't love the look love the look if i don't love the look then we're gonna then i'm I'm gonna work work the three-man concept that's called and, you know, the way you describe that concept, so if he's starting on, let's say, um, the ball's on the left hash, your trips are out to the right, he's starting on the left there and his drop. Now his eyes are working across, and you and I talked about the importance of, and you mentioned here, the, the eyes just not bouncing all over the place. Right. So how do you coach him through, and again, provide that consistency with how his eyes work. I think that's the most yeah. important part. Yeah, he's going to scan. So we, we will, we, we, he will we'll scan our eyes. Not to the receiver, but to the area that the that the receiver is gonna is gonna run to. I think if if as a quarterback, if you're trying to put your eyes to the actual receiver as he's running, you're gonna be a little bit a little bit late on that. So 
we're working to areas and that's where trust comes in with like one of our, one of the core values you got to trust that the that the receiver is going to be going to be where he needs where he needs to be but our eyes will will scan and the concept that I that I called he's going to look so if he does not he's let's say the free safety who's on that the boundary safety yeah, yeah. let's say they're going to play cloud to the boundary right. and he's off the hash outside off the hash a quarterback will take his eyes from there and scan to the middle of the field and see what's available uh, and if he likes the, if he likes the space then he's going to he's going to throw it and rip it and commit to it and if not then he's going to scan for the curl window and then to the flat yeah i like and you know as you said i, I got into a lot of those scan reads how the quarterback's eyes work naturally that way i mentioned Dan Gonzalez teaching me some mm-hmm. of that and writing about it in his book. That actually, that's how the the eyes physically work. The that science way. behind it right. is interesting. Yes, I yeah. read that too. Yeah, definitely. Well, coach, again, I appreciate you taking some time here and taking a break out of all the things going on at the coaching clinic here. But the last question, which if you listen to the podcast, you know, is always the one I finish <laughs> with. I developed uh, just from one of my favorite books, Bill Walsh's uh, Finding the Winning Edge. So for you, you've you mentioned a lot of things here and your offense and what you do with your program, but what is the one thing you feel gives your team the winning edge? I would say, and I'm probably not not the only coach that, that would give this this answer, I think the winning edge comes from, I think, toughness, physical and mental, probably probably more so more so mental. And we all know we've been in that game where there's adversity and you know that your kids you can see that it could go one of two ways and and if I think if you've trained them the right way when when there's a fork in the road in the game and and, and the going gets tough I think our guys a, a lot of time will will have some resiliency and some and, and some mental toughness I think the teams like the Kansas City Chiefs right right when it when right. it could have gone the wrong way and they, they easily could have you know could have packed it in but there was something in in them that uh, there was optimism and hope and 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 some some toughness about about that team and uh I hope that that my team plays plays the same way coach for our listeners out there who want to learn more about your program or connect you with you what's the best way to do that short uh twitter is uh twitter twitter's the best way uh my my handle is uh underscore coach fits f-i-t-z uh you can always if you have any questions or whatever, uh, can can always DM me, DM me on Twitter. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time, and best of luck to you and the Mustangs in 2020. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.